You're listening to a podcast from Toronto Celebration Church in Toronto, Ontario. It's our hope through the Word of God that you're built up in faith and drawn closer to our Savior and Healer, Jesus Christ. As you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray the Holy Spirit will use this message powerfully in your life. All right. Remember, between services, we have something called Cafe Andrew. I took a look at the lesson today. It's a We'll be studying the object of saving faith, which is who is Jesus Christ. Great lesson. So that's this afternoon between services, free lunch. You can go there in our uh, secondary auditorium. And also this afternoon at 1 o'clock, in our 1 o'clock service, we'll be studying, we're going to be getting into verse-by-verse study of the book of Romans. We'll have some uh, notes that I'll give out to you. And I think, you know, the apostle, the, not the apostle Paul, um, Martin Luther said that the book of Romans is the purest gospel. It cannot be studied too much. We're going to look at that verse by verse, and I think you're going to really enjoy that. And as always, in our one o'clock service, we have a time of ministry. But this morning, my message is discover your true self. And on the surface, it sounds almost like some deep, you know, psychological study. But I assure you, it's something much more, something much deeper. It's a spiritual reality. And the truth is, in life, many times we face circumstances or challenges and We can be tempted to think, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle this this challenge that I'm facing. The the obstacle is too big. I don't know if I have the inner stamina to to overcome what I'm facing in life. It could be a personal weakness or failure. It could be external circumstances that we're facing. And we can be tempted. You know, we think, well, I know myself. I know my limits. I I know where my threshold is. But I'm asking us today to have an open mind. Perhaps we don't fully know the full capability that we have in overcoming the challenges that we face. Now, first and foremost, I'm talking to individuals today who who have received new life in Christ, who, who know new birth and new life in Jesus Christ. New life in Christ has opened up the new creation, and really it's a new reality in which we live and in which we operate our lives. But I would say that, you know, let me say this as well. If you, if you don't know new life in Christ, you haven't received this new reality, I'll give you, I'm going to talk to you as well today, and I have an invitation to you to just to open your heart at, when we conclude today's service to receive this wonderful new reality. But our key passage this morning will be from first, uh, second Peter, I should say, the first chapter. And it'll be four verses that we'll look at and study this morning. Let's read the first one and let's begin. In verse 1, where it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first phrase I want us to see is that phrase where it said, have obtained a faith of equal standing. I love that. This isn't talking about some echelon where some believers are here and some are there. He's talking about faith of equal standing or equal faith. Say it with me. Say equal faith. This is what he's talking about here. And then he tells us how this equality of faith or this gift of faith is received in our lives. And he said, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So there is a faith that we receive, an equal faith. Paul, Peter said it's an equal faith with his own that is received by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is sometimes and often, the way it's been presented, misunderstood. 
often the way the righteousness of Christ or righteousness, scriptural righteousness is presented is a type of righteousness that we are exhorted to obtain too through our behavior, through what we do. You may hear someone say, I, I, I feel more righteous today because I, you know, I did some good works this week. I, I responded better to that challenge. I, I lived a more holy life, so I, I feel like I am doing more righteously. I feel like I am more righteous. In other words, through my actions or behavior, I am becoming more righteous. Sometimes that's how it's understood. And certainly we as new creations, as believers in Christ, we want the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Amen? But what's being spoken of here by the righteousness of Christ in this verse, it's not speaking of the fruit of righteousness. It's talking about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's speaking about what Jesus did for us. It's what he did. There's a hum in my monitor. Just play with that for a moment because it's, uh, yeah, there we go, much better. He's talking about what Jesus did. It's his righteousness, the deeds of Christ, you could say, in making things right for us. In other words, the righteousness of Christ by which we obtained this equal faith is by the righteousness of Christ or what Jesus did on our behalf to make things right for us. In other words, through the righteousness of Christ, Jesus brought us into union with him, into fellowship with God. He gave us new life. The scripture says he removed the handwritten requirements, all the wrongs and the, the things that we'd done wrong in our past. He forgave us and he brought us into right standing with God and in fellowship with him. It speaks of what Jesus did on our behalf to make things right for us. And the scripture says it's by this righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, that we have received this Faith of equal standing, equal faith. Say equal faith. So whose righteousness is it that obtained this for us? It's the righteousness of Jesus. Now how you say, well, how do you know that? Well, there's scriptures that define that or that connect to it. In Romans chapter 3, it speaks of Jesus' righteousness. Let's read that verse for a moment. Verse 25. It says, God set forth Jesus as a propitiation. That word means mercy seat. Mercy seat. By his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Say his righteousness. So Jesus came to demonstrate his righteousness. Remember, it's this, his righteousness that gives us this faith of equal standing. Because in forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate, here's that word again, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. Say his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. So Jesus came and he made a demonstration of his righteousness. And the scripture tells us what that demonstration looked like. What did it say? A, number one, he passed over the sins that were previously committed. This is a demonstration of Jesus making things right for you and I. He passed over the sins that were previously committed. Yeah? Secondly, I think you can put it, I have it on screen for you. Go ahead and put it up. Secondly... Jesus, he says he justified, there's, he justified the one who trusts in Jesus. So his demonstration of righteousness, A, he passed over the sins that were previously committed, and B, he justified the one who trusts in Jesus. He justified. This is a demonstration of his righteousness. Now, why do we do demonstrations? Even in our lives today, you know, have you ever, got, ever everybody been to uh, Costco? Wave at me, you've been to Costco, yeah? You know, sometimes you go into Costco, they have these demonstration booths. Maybe they're demonstrating a blender or some other, you know, some other gizmo or gadget. Why do they do those demonstration booths? Huh? To convince you and I to purchase that product. 
You may look at that blender in a box or whatever product it is. What are some other products they, did, they demonstrate at a Costco, Megan? Anyhow, donuts. No, they don't demonstrate. Yeah, they have, they have samples. You're right. But you know those demonstration booths where they're, de you know, they're demonstrating those products. You know? And they, they, they do that because you look at a product in a box, and you may be like, ah, that's not so special. But then you get that demonstration booth where, where, that, where that expert who's been trained in how to use that blender I mean, they'll start to convince you how that blender will make your whole dinner for you. It'll mince, mince and match, and it'll put it in the oven, and it'll be, by the time it's done, your whole dinner is prepared. By the way, they sell it to you, right? But why are they making that demonstration? To convince you and I to buy their product, yeah? And sometimes they're real good at it, and they get us to be suckers for some products that, you know what, I don't really think I need. I, I need it, Yeah. I know no one's ever been taken for like that, but I have. I was, remember I was thinking about it. I was you know, preparing for this, and I remember driving into a gas station many years ago up there up north of Toronto. Megan's shaking her head because she knows I fell for this, and I don't usually fall for this stuff. And they were there with these kind of waxes for your car. And they were showing, you know, like, here I am getting gas, and they're there demonstrating at the gas station how this spray-on product will make my car just shine so beautifully. And I fell for it. I fell for it. And I bought that product. And wouldn't you know, I still have that product sitting somewhere collecting dust, never used. And yeah, so I fell for that product. But so my point is, again, not that we're suckers for these demonstrations, but why, do, why are demonstrations given? To give proof, to convince us. In fact, the word demonstration means the, a the action or process of showing the existence or truth of something by giving proof or evidence. So Jesus came to make demonstration. Why? To satisfy his need for this? No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, Jesus came to make demonstration of his own righteousness. How? By passing over the sins that were previously committed... It's good news. This is a demonstration to prove to us. And B, by justifying the one who puts faith in Christ. Making you righteous, bringing you into this new creation, bringing old things passed away, all things new. He did this to demonstrate. And why are demonstrations made? To prove to the one who is observing. In other words, we could say that God did this demonstration through Jesus Christ, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection to prove, to convince to you and I, he's safe to trust. And we can put our trust in him. Amen? You know, we are very, as human beings, as a human species, we're often reticent. And maybe it's a good thing, but we're reticent to, to believe new things. You know when there's new inventions that come out? We're often very skeptical of them, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a safety mechanism that God put in us. For example, you know, anytime electricity. I was reading about electricity this week, and when electricity came out, you know, people were very afraid of electricity. Imagine where we'd be today without electricity, without lights. We'd be here with candles. I'd be preaching to a kid with a candle. Maybe you say, I'd like that. Well, anyhow, I, I like the lights, so we'll stick with that. But imagine... You know, no AC and all that. But when it came out, you know, they, I was reading how in the 19th century, the president at that time, he didn't want the, the light switches to, they had just installed electricity in the White House, but he didn't want the lights to be turned on because he was afraid they'd all get electrocuted. Yeah? And so there's this reticence. And of course, he had to be demonstrated that, no, this is safe for you to try. You, you know, you can turn on the lights. You can stay. You see, throughout history, throughout all our mankind's history, we've been misreaders of God who he is, his nature. We still see it today. People make sacrifices to God. 
We think God's angry. He needs to be appeased. We, people still think that today. But throughout history, you see people have made even child sacrifices. And it's horrific things. Why? Because we don't trust that God is pleased with us. That he loves us. That he accepts us. That has unconditional love to us. We think we need to sacrifice. And it even seeps over into our religious thinkings today. So Jesus came to demonstrate and to prove once and for all to you and to I that you can trust him. He passed over your sins. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And he said, I've justified you. He, the scripture says he rose from the dead because you've been justified. He rose to new life to open a new entrance for you and I today to live in this new reality as new creations. Amen? So this demonstration was to convince you and I. So when we're talking about I've received equal standing of faith, it's through believing, trusting this demonstration of Christ's righteousness through what he did through us on the cross, through the resurrection. The scripture says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. All those that was evil that was against you was disarmed. Jesus did all that. That was part of the demonstration, yeah? And then he launched this new creation that we can live in. And so then when we go from that first verse to the second verse, we begin to see a clearer picture. Let's go to 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. We read verse 1, let's go to verse 2, where it says, So now, in light of that demonstration, in light of the demonstration of Christ's righteousness, He passed over your sins and He's given you new life through justification, in light of that, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You say, anybody here today, oh, don't, don't raise your hand, you say, I need more peace. I need more peace. You know, statistics say that one in, one in two people before the age of 40 today suffer with some form of mental illness. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they tell us. So people need peace today. I, talked to, I was communicating with someone this week, and they, they said, you know, before I was fine, before the pandemic, lockdowns came, and I fell apart, anxiety, fear. And they said, I'm still, still bound by that. So people need peace. There's so much happening, people say, in my lives. So I asked the question, do we need peace? Well, the scripture put it up again. It said, 2 Peter chapter 1, peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what's the knowledge of Jesus? What's this mean? Does this just mean I study the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and get all the historical facts about who he was? Born in Bethlehem, you know, died in Jerusalem, and... I just study to fill my head with that. There's nothing, that's good to know all the facts. But when it's talking about the knowledge of Christ here, he's talking about that demonstration of righteousness. This is what Jesus represents, his demonstration, how he put away your sins once and for all. And he's given you a new life, a new creation. He's given you this ability. He's given, made all things new. And so it's through this knowledge of who Jesus is that peace is abounding to us or multiplies to us in our lives. Amen? Verse 3, it says, accordingly, his divine power is given to us all things. Say all things. Toward life and godliness, through the knowledge of the one, having called us by his own glory and excellence. So here it takes care of pretty much everything. Do you need more, more wisdom in life? Do you need more creativity in life? More strength, more godliness, more holiness? How do we receive it? Through the knowledge. This revelation knowledge of Jesus and this demonstration that he made for us when we put our trust in it, the scripture says his life, his wisdom, his blessing, his peace, his joy, his love begins to flow through us. So our part, and that's why TICC, why we preach Jesus, 
where we try to attempt by the help of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus every week, make him bigger in our estimation and everything that he did. It's not that we don't know anything. You know, Pastor Peter's pretty good in finance. He could teach, he could give a whole lesson for several weeks on how, you're right, how, to, how to handle finance. Not that we're imbeciles that know nothing other than about Jesus, but, and there's nothing wrong with understanding finance or other matters of business, but we have something very precious, and that is the revelation knowledge of who Christ is. And through that, life begins to operate. Through that, peace begins to flow. Through that, things begin to happen in our lives that we never dreamt possible seeing and understanding and believing this demonstration of righteousness. That's why TSE, that's our message. And that's why we as believers, not only are we here to receive that and understand that and look at Jesus' demonstration through the Holy Scriptures, but we're also called to be demonstrators. I mean, think of that Costco demonstrator demonstrating that, that blender, right, Megan? She's like, I've never seen the blender. I've seen it once. Anyhow, I do know they have those demonstration booths, Yeah. You and I are called to be like Costco demonstrators. That's why we're doing pastoring our neighborhood. Because we are taking the message of this demonstration out into our community and saying, you need peace? Yeah? This is the demonstration. So this is so much more. Not only are we here to, yeah, I'm here to see the demonstration on Sunday. But we're all, we're like Costco demonstrators. It's a bad illustration. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah? We're Jesus demonstrators. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a demonstrator. You're looking skeptical. Not Costco. I'm not doing a plug for Costco. I don't even know if I like Costco. I'm just saying it was the easiest one that I could come up with because I don't like shopping. So it was the quickest, quickest illustration I could come up with. <laughs> In any case, so thank you for signing up for Pastoring the Neighborhood as we demonstrate this reality to our city and our community. Amen. Because too many people don't, believe, don't trust God. That's where it's the truth. Once, somebody, once an individual knows that God is love, why would you reject that goodness? Amen? He's opened up a new door for a new world for you to live in, heaven on earth. Amen? Why would you reject that? Anyhow, we got to keep going. We've got more verses to go. Are you ready? I don't hear you. Are you ready? All right. You're still thinking of Costco. Don't go there after the service. You'll end up spending too much money. Verse 4. Let's go there. Verse 4. So we're continuing on. 2 Peter verse, verse 4. So because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. He's given us promises. We're just, these are what we're talking about. And these are the promises that enable you to partake in his divine nature. He's talking of the new creation that you have received. Say, I'm a new creation. His divine nature, and escape the world's corruption because of human desires. These are all amazing things. How are we enabled? Through the promises of God. That's why we preach. We preach every Sunday the promises of God. We sing about the promises of God. Why? We are enabled through these promises. And we know the promises because of this demonstration that Jesus made. He passed over our sins. And he rose to new life, and he brought you with him. Amen? Do you believe that? Say, I'm a new creation. Amen. And so he, it's important to be hearing these promises, believing these promises, because through hearing, faith comes, but through hearing, we are enabled. That's what we want to be. We want to be enabled to partake. Partake of what? The nature of Jesus. 
There's nothing weak in the nature of Jesus. Nothing lacking in the nature of Jesus. And everything in his nature he gives to us to partake of through these promises. The word partake, it means a participant who mutually belongs and shares. A joint participant. So what we're being told here is that we are to mutually share in Jesus' own nature. So we're being told. We are to partake of his nature. How much better is this than coming and hearing Sunday after Sunday, here's a list of what you can do to be a better person. Now, I want you to be a better person. I want to be a better person. By simply by getting a list of that, you can go to, we used to say the bookstore, now it's all on Amazon.ca, your Kindle, but you can get that anywhere. And those are, you know, those will happen. That's the fruit of it. But the root is partaking of his own nature. And his nature can take us place. Remember I started by saying, we think, you know, I've reached my limits. I don't think I can overcome this. I know myself, I, can, I can't overcome this challenge. In Christ and by partaking of his nature, we can do what we never thought or dreamt we could do. Amen. Partaking. You may not be able to. But his nature can. And this is what, how? By hearing. And that's happening now. The promises are going forth now and things are happening even now. Now the problem is, so many times, and our minds are trained to think that way, is religious teaching. False religious teaching. That is basically nothing more than obedience training. Like pet training school. Yeah? Dog training school. Megan and I used to have a dog. uh, 3.8 pounds. Used to, no longer living. But I went to pet training school with this dog many years ago, probably 12, 13, yeah? Can you imagine going to pet training school with a three-pound dog? That's like a rodent. You understand what I'm saying? No bigger than a squirrel. That's how big this dog was. And here I was. Megan made me go because really pet training school is about training you, not the dog, right? And so there I was being trained, yeah? And there I was with a three. Now I'm competitive, so I got into it. I really did. I wanted to beat all those big dogs. You know, little dogs are not very obedient. I don't know. It's very hard to train, at least our dog. Sorry, Megan. But Chingus was a little bit unruly. But I gave him my all. I surely did. And you know what? I mean, through, through different carrots and, you know, different rewards and, you know, corrections and carrots and sticks and all that type of stuff, we got him to do something. He couldn't do much. I don't think he could sit. He couldn't roll over. But I think we got him to, did we get him to do anything? This was Megan's baby, so, you know, she's, I'm in trouble after this. But anyhow, you get what I'm saying, yeah? You know, through, through certain manipulations of their minds, carrots and sticks, rewards and disapprovals and all that type of stuff, you can get that precious beloved dog to do something, hopefully, yeah? But I can tell you what, and we passed, by the way. We got a certificate, and I was up there with him, so proud. I got my certificate, you know. So we, we, it's not that I failed at this, and this isn't like some grudge session here, but I'm just saying, you know, I do also recognize that once Megan or I were, were no longer there with the carrot and the stick, you know, the reward and the discipline, the dog just did its own thing anyhow. That's what I'm talking about, this, you know, obedience training. As long as there's the right reward and discipline and punishment in present carrot and stick you can get even an animal to do just about just about anything right that's called behavior modification and it's very sad when we treat the bible or treat church in the same way 
you know, we, we treat, we, we, you know, I hope we don't do that here, but, you know, we train people how to dress and how to talk and how to be a good Christian. You know, when you come to church on Sunday, put on your suit, and I got a suit. There's nothing wrong with the suit. It's not my point. My point is, you know, the whole motivation of it all. And, you know, and we teach people how, you know, we behave your mind how to talk, you know, come, come to church on Sunday, hallelujah. And then, on, you know, on the way home, blankety blank, 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 oh, hallelujah. You know, and uh, you better be careful, pastor's listening. And then the pastor's real proud of, you know, the, pr- the pastor who thinks this way is very proud if he can get their, his sheep, or shall we say, it's not our sheep, by the way, we're all Jesus' sheep. But anyhow, that pastor might think that you're, they're his sheep. But anyhow, that's another story. Uh, if we can get those sheep or those dogs, those pets to really behave well and to do their hallelujahs really well, hallelujah, you know, don't tell me what happens on Wednesday. I don't want to know about that, but just, you know, if we get real good at that, we kind of get puffed up and proud and, and all that, you know, so... But can I tell you, that's not the gospel message. Amen. You're better than a dog. Amen. Oh, come on now. You're better than a dog. Yeah. The gospel is heart transformation. Yeah. And that happens by partaking of his own nature. Jesus' own nature. The old dog is gone, if you ever had one. Yeah. The old nature is gone. So get to know the new nature. You got a new you. That's what we're doing here now. We're getting to know our new nature because it's possible to be ignorant of it, yeah? It's possible not to understand it, and if we don't understand it, then we don't enjoy it, yeah? That's possible. But you got it in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul is strong in this. He says in 2 Corinthians 13, he says in verse 5, so examine yourselves. We're kind of doing that here this morning. To see whether you're in the faith. Remember that faith of equal standing? Remember we were talking about that first verse today, yeah? Examine yourself to see if you're in that faith. Test yourself. Don't you see for yourself that Christ is in you? In other words, when you begin to examine yourself in light of what the demonstration of Christ's righteousness was, you will see Christ is in you. Yeah? Don't you see? Look at your neighbor and say, don't you see? Christ is in you. Yeah, Christ is in you. This is, so we're to test our mind, test our beliefs. Why? Because our beliefs and our trust, they drift. We can easily drift. And our minds drift from this reality. You know, the scripture says that we're one spirit with Christ. One spirit. Not two, one. One, he gives us his spirit. We're one spirit with him. No separation, perfect union. The scripture says that we're partakers of that. But religious teaching comes in, this behavior modification type of teaching that just draws our attention over to the flesh. The flesh is self-effort, our own ability to, you know, to have a fruitful life. And the scripture says that the strength of sin is the law or our own ability or our flesh's ability to live up to it. So that only strengthens sin. It, it, this whole thing gets us in a quagmire. And our minds drift from this reality. So Paul says, examine yourself. Are you in the faith of Jesus? Are you trusting that new nature? Are you partaking? But we are prone to drift, sadly. In our minds, and our beliefs, there's certain religious lies that set in. One particular one, and again, the whole pathway to victory is partaking out of our oneness with Christ. We're to partake, to draw on his life. Are we together on that? We're to draw on his life. So if I was the enemy, and if you were the enemy, I think we'd say, let's get them to believe a lie that there's no more oneness. That they're, as Pastor Peter said earlier, they're they're alienated from this life of Christ. Because if the victory comes, if our overcoming nature comes out of partaking and drawing on this oneness with Christ, one spirit, say one spirit. That's the scripture, by the way. That's not Nathan talking. You are one spirit with Christ. 
I would want to sow a seed of doubt in your mind, if I'm the enemy, that you don't have this oneness. Because that's where the ability to live in victory and fruitful life comes from. So this lie comes, and why we're to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, am I falling for these lies? Pastor Peter preached a message several weeks back, maybe a couple months, on the illusion of separation. Watch that ten times over. Because those are lies that the enemy sows in our minds to separate us from this oneness and partaking of this nature whereby fruit is obtained. For example, the illusion of separation because of sin. Some religious teaching would tell you that because of sin in your life, God's presence is separated from you. The Holy Spirit separates himself from you because of sin. And you're, it's implied that you are to then clean yourself up, fix yourself, modify your behavior, and then the Holy Spirit will come back and you'll have fellowship with him. Have you ever thought, stopped to think about how unbelievably foolish that kind of talk is? And proudful, by the way. I don't know about you, but I need the life of Christ. I need the Holy Spirit, and I need his grace in my life to live a life of victory. I cannot do it on my own. Yeah? So for the, for if I am of the persuasion that when I sin, God somehow, his presence or his grace kind of separates itself from me, I'm done for. And he's rather proudful to think that I can somehow, with, with some separation from his grace, some separation from his presence, I am going to climb back into those, his good graces. That's very proudful. Yeah? No, the scripture says, Paul said, where sin abounds, God's grace or his presence or his Holy Spirit, because he's all one and the same, superabounds. Yeah? That doesn't speak of separation. That almost speaks of, you know, if you're in trouble... He's even more, not that you can ever be more one, but I'm saying, you know, if you could be, you know, right? And the, the, the sad part of that illusion is it keeps people trapped. The scripture says that the strength of sin is the law, or our own ability to try and keep these commandments strengthens it in our lives. So these are where we're to examine ourselves, test ourselves. Am I falling prey to these lies, these illusions? Another illusion, very subtle illusion is, you know, to, you know, you ever heard someone say, and I almost, sometimes they almost wear it as a badge of honor, oh, the enemy's beating me up. The enemy's just beating me up. I'm so hard done by. The enemy's so strong in my life. And I understand that we have an enemy. And I understand we go through tests and trials. And I understand things can sometimes be challenging in our, in our lives. That's, I'm not negating that. But, you know, this idea that just makes such a big deal of the enemy. He's so strong. He's beating me up. You know, I was reflecting on that and I thought of the Apostle Paul he acknowledged we have an enemy and at one point he said he was referring to his thorn of the, in the flesh but he said you know that there's a messenger of Satan who's been sent to buffet me and he's kind of praying to God God would you help me would you help me and I love God's response God doesn't say oh Paul you're such a poor poor guy Paul you're so hard done by no Paul, God says to Paul he says listen my grace is sufficient for you where there is weakness you are made strong so in no way is Paul alluding to the fact that I'm so hard done by. The enemy is so strong in my life, he's hindering me from moving forward. In fact, think about this for a moment. The scripture says, and I go back to it again, you are one spirit with Christ. Well, the last time I checked my scriptures, Jesus walked around this earth in the spirit. And the scripture says that the enemy, even a legion of uh, this demoniac came to him with a legion of demons. And the scripture says that those demons, they fled from him. Yeah? 
And then we think we're, being, we're such hard done by being beat up by the enemy. And I'm not negating that we face hard times. I'm not saying that we don't, but I'm saying it's the attitude. And when we think I'm being so hard done by, the enemy is so strong in my life, we have the same spirit that caused the legion of demons to run. And we think that they have power over us. Come on now. The same, in other words, the enemy is vastly afraid of us. Yeah, our part, you know, again, examine, examine, test, because we fall prey to deceptive lies that cause us to think very less of who Jesus is in our lives. You have, and I have one spirit with Christ Jesus. You, the enemy is so afraid of your one spirit with Christ, he doesn't even want to come close to you. Unless through deceptive lies, we believe that he has some sort of power. So we're here today to kick out those deceptive lies and say, no, get rid of that illusion. There is no separation between you and God. The same spirit that Jesus, that walked with Jesus on earth, he's in you today. So don't be afraid. Of, oh, the enemy's so strong. Am I? He, he, let him do his thing. The scripture says, resist him and he'll flee. Right? Like a little animal that's just so afraid. Yeah. Anyhow, what's another illusion? I got to keep going. Time is of the essence. Are you ready? This here's another illusion. Oh, I just want more of God in my life. You laugh, but I'm chasing after God. I'm pursuing Him. I understand that we do need more understanding of who we are. We need more revelation of who we are. And that, that, that brings a heightened sense and aware of what we already have. That's true. Paul prayed those were the type of prayers that he had. But how do you get more of what you already have? You are one with Christ. I want more of oneness. How do you get more one? You don't understand what I'm saying? I am not saying we can't become more aware of it. And Paul kept praying. He was saying, I pray that your knowledge, your understanding, you grow in wisdom, you grow in under... Right? So I'm not saying we can't grow in our understanding and perception and awareness of it. But if we're of the uh, persuasion that I only have half of God or I only have half or three quarters or Alex, he may have five eighths, but I only have one third, you know... I, one spirit, yeah? Partakers. That's why we're not enjoying the grace or the peace or the, the life or the godliness because we have this illusion of separation. We got one spirit with Christ. I'm a new creation. A new world has been opened in which we draw from his very nature. So test yourself. Say test yourself. So Jesus is. What he did is this demonstration of righteousness. It is to be our primary focus. In the storms, in the problems we face, look to the demonstration. Amen? That's how Jesus taught those couple on the road to Emmaus. They were despondent, depressed. He began to read the scriptures. Nothing changed. But then he showed him them himself. And their hearts burned within them. It means it changed their natural circumstances. See Jesus in the scriptures. When we preach, when we sing, what we do, see Jesus. Say it with me. Say, see Jesus. What do you need today? Peace, grace, life, godliness. We receive it through this knowledge. You're better than a dog. Yeah? We agree on that. We're better than a dog. This isn't some type of behavior modification. This isn't some carrot and stick training. This is reality in Christ Jesus. He opened up to us a brand new world. It's called the new creation, and we live in it. And it's our opportunity to discover it, to enjoy it, to become more aware of it. And the more aware we are of it, the more it begins to operate in our life. Grace, peace, 
being multiplied to us. Victory over the enemy, victory over the flesh is ours. The more we enjoy and receive this faith. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm just about done preaching, but can we give Jesus a big shout of praise here this morning? I got call a couple more things. Amen. Singers, musicians, come on up here. Don't run. I'm good for time. I've got a few things I want to say, but I just want to bring the singers, musicians up here for a second. And as they come, think about this. How do we enjoy this faith, this faith that overcomes the world, this equal faith of Christ Jesus? How do we obtain it? By the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if I could put it all in a nutshell with the finished work of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus looks like, it looks like, love because the scripture says this is love not that we loved him but that he loved us and gave himself as a mercy seat for us to live by today and so this thing of love whatever you need in your life today you we all have needs here we acknowledge that can I encourage you today to rest in that love that he has for you it's his love that caused him to put away sin it's that love that caused him to take sickness upon his body. It's love. Our part is simply rest in that love. And this demonstration of his love, demonstration of righteousness, was a demonstration of his love for us, that we could trust that love. And I'm encouraging each of us today in the challenges, the difficulties, the roadblocks that we're facing in life, let's, put our, let's learn to rest in that love. Love. There's one more verse, my last verse for today. Let's read it together, John chapter 17, that illustrates this love that he has for us. Jesus says, he's speaking, he says, I have given them the glory that you've given to me, Father. Isn't that, we could just stop right there, but I want to go further. But Jesus gave you and I his own glory. That's love. That they might be one as we are one. So he's, Jesus is talking about him and the Father, but here he's saying, I, now I'm giving to Jehovah, to Gary. I'm giving you the same oneness that Jesus and the Father enjoyed. Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you now. Oneness. That's how we partake. That's how we enjoy grace, peace. That's how we enjoy godliness. Through this partaking. He says, I in them and you in me. This is our reality today. They didn't know it then, but we enjoy it now. So that they may be brought to complete unity. You and I have complete unity unity today in Christ Jesus. You're not partially complete. You're not a part of his spirit. You have all of his spirit. Amen? And then the world will know that you sent me, and I love this part, and have loved them even as, say even as, you have loved me. I could have just probably read that verse alone today and we go home on that. He says you've loved them, even as you have loved me. You know, the Father said of Jesus, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus here is telling us the Father has that same love for you. Yeah? This is Varendra, the one in whom I am well pleased. Yeah? This is Essie, the one in whom I'm well pleased. You put your name in there. That's who you are. So if we begin to look at our prayer requests and our needs in light of this love, if the Father would have answered Jesus' prayer on the matter, he'll answer your prayer because he has the same love. Well, will God answer my prayer today? If you answer Jesus' prayer on the matter, he'll answer it for you 
Because the same love by which he loved Christ, he loves you today. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Let's just take a moment. Father, let's just rejoice in this reality. Jermaine, do you have a song? You go ahead and sing that right now. Let's just worship him together right now. Just enjoy, rest in his love. Maybe you hear you need healing today. You've been trying through all these mental gymnastics and all these trying to way to build up your faith, getting frustrated. Rest in his love for your healing today. The same love by which he loved Jesus. The Father loved Jesus. He loves you today. Let's just worship him together right now. Father, I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just give him a hand, hand clap of appreciation here this morning, amen? Two invitations this morning. Number one, you know, I said at the very beginning, this is much more, this is not a psychological message. This is a deep spiritual reality for those who have received new life in Christ. In a moment's time, I'd like to pray, and I will pray. And I'd like to invite you to pray with me to receive this gift of salvation, to receive new life in Christ Jesus. The scripture says Jesus came to demonstrate his love for us. And he did that by passing over the sins that were previously committed. Maybe you have sin in your life and you, you feel so guilty, so condemned and so ashamed. Jesus is the place of mercy to run to today. And so I encourage you in a moment's time to receive that mercy. But then it says that he, he demonstrated his love by justifying us. And that, that speaks of giving us new life. New life to be reborn spiritually. You know, salvation is so much more. Sometimes the way it's presented, it's like this, you know, advice on how to live a better life. You might live a better life, and I sure think you will. But listen, that is not salvation. It's not what I'm offering you here today. Nor is it an invitation to join a church and to join some religious group. That is not being born again or receiving new life in Christ. And in fact, more, you know, sometimes it's even presented simply as an insurance ticket so that you don't go to, you know, so you go to heaven when you die. And certainly that'll happen, but there's something that happens right now. And my friend, the scripture tells us that when we acknowledge Christ, we receive this new life. It's like being reborn spiritually. It opens up a new world of possibilities. 
And the scripture says we can receive that first and foremost by repenting. And that word repentance means to change our mind. To change our mind. I don't trust myself or my abilities anymore, but I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And secondly, it's about acknowledging Jesus for who he is. He is Lord and he is Savior of this earth. And so I acknowledge that today. It's putting my acknowledgement to who he is. And thirdly, it's about receiving. Receiving the forgiveness that he's already provided and receiving this new life. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, yes, Nathan, I want to receive this today, this gift of new life. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand to signify, yes, I want to be included when you pray. All those across this room who wish to be included, would you just lift up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying with. Yes, I see hands going up, front, back, side, over there. Yes, yes, young man. Yes, sir. Yes. Over here, yes. Beautiful. Anybody else? Just keep praying. I thank you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. You can take your hands down. Can we all pray with those who have lifted their hands? I Specifically, I'm praying with those of you who raised your hands here this morning, but can we all pray together with them? Let's, let's, pray, with them, let's pray with them boldly. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to show me that love. Right now I repent. I change my mind. And I trust you, Jesus. And I acknowledge, Jesus, you're Lord. You are Savior. Right now I receive your forgiveness. I receive new life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give Jesus a big shout here this morning? Amen. I have an invitation to thank you, first of all, for praying this morning. It's my privilege. It's an honor to pray with you to receive this gift. My friend Dawood, he is a, and his team, they have some material. Dawood, can you bring that blue bag here so I can show them what I... I've prepared some material for you today. And if you prayed with me, those of you in, all across this section, in a moment, we're gonna pray, I'm going to dismiss, I should say, and my friend here, Dawit, and his team will be here at the front. They have some material in this blue bag. And I want to invite you to, you know, to be bold and come and receive that from him. He's a friendly gentleman. I know his team is as well. But we've got a free book and other material that we'd like to give you in that. So in just a moment's time when we dismiss, we're going to do that. Are we together on that? Are we good? Yeah? So I invite you to do that. Also, we'd love to pray with you as well and just to get to know you better. In a moment, we're going to dismiss. We've got our afternoon service. We've got Cafe Andrew. A lot of great things happening this afternoon. But... You know, I've been cognizant that as we're preaching here this morning, the scripture says that these promises, they're words of life. These promises that we've been declaring this morning, they are life to our body. They are life to our spirit. They are life to our soul. And so life is happening now. That means if you need healing in your body, life is coming in physically to your body here this morning. In fact, it's already happening because it's not about myself or any platform or church or title. It's about these words of life. If you need in your mind, I mentioned earlier that so many people are struggling with mental illness. If you need health and wholeness in your mind today, I put no trust in myself. I am as human as anyone. But I recognize that the words of the promises of Christ, they are life unto your soul today, unto your emotions today. So the Holy Spirit, the gracious, wonderful Holy Spirit is here today to confirm those promises. And he's told us when we speak in that name, the name of Jesus, things happen. Miracles happen. So sometimes, some Sundays, like on Miracle, Summer of Miracles, we took time, even up to an hour, to bring people up, up on the platform. We do that from time to time. We're not today, but I am today, right now, going to speak the prayer of faith. 
Maybe you have a challenge in a relationship or in your business. There is faith, the faith of Jesus. Remember that faith of equal standing that we have received with the Apostle Peter by the righteousness of Christ. Ours today. Amen? Just lift up your hands if you're comfortable doing so. I'm going to speak over these words of life today. Jesus, you have invited us, and so I thank you for working with us today. Jesus, I acknowledge that these words that I speak, they are in and of themselves, but merely words. But Jesus, with your life, they produce power. So Jesus, I thank you today for power being released in the bodies, physical bodies that need healing. Father, I thank you where there is that area of assist, we speak healing now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for that individual who suffered a fracture in their forehead, fracture in their head through this accident in Jesus' name. Let the migraines and cluster headaches go in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you now that where there was a a lactic acid buildup in that joint, we speak a release and healing now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that there is healing across this room now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you that where there was a dimness of hearing and hearing was being reduced exponentially in Jesus' name, that ear is opening now in Jesus' name. Test it. Begin to hear that sound coming in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you for we receive health and wholeness. Father, for that mind that since the pandemic has been gripped in anxiety and panic and fear, I thank you that they now connect with the mind of Christ and be set free in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Jesus, for the eyes of our understanding being open to see you in us, to see that we can do all things through you who strengthen us. So, Father, I thank you today for a big revelation of this new reality, this new creation, a spirit of revelation in Jesus' name. And I thank you that in that understanding, people see so much more for their business. With high inflation, with high interest rates, with bad job reports. Jesus, I thank you. We can do all things through you. I thank you for that business person who thought, I hear these preachers, I hear these people talking on TV, they think it sounds so spiritual, so many hoops and ladders for me to attain to you blessing me in my business. No. Look to the demonstration of Jesus' righteousness. He brought you into this new reality to prosper you for increase and blessing that you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. See a bigger future for your business. In Jesus' name, reject that lie that you're not spiritual enough. What does that mean? You're one nature with Christ. Father, I worship you. Receive that. Somebody's receiving that right now. Father, I thank you today for your grace in this place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Amen. Amen. I got to dismiss. Service is over. I'm going to run to the door. But I really felt strongly. Somebody was receiving that here today. Especially, you know, that sinister lie that you're not spiritual enough. You are one spirit with Christ. Amen. Be who you are. Walk in that nature. If you're uh, visiting with us, go to the Welcome Center. We'd love to meet you there. Shake your hand. The Cafe Andrew. Come back this afternoon. It's going to be a great time. Go blessed. Be blessed. Oh, by the way, Salvation Team, if you could come here with the blue bags. If you prayed with us, if you need prayer in any area of your life, our prayer team will be here. Joan will be here at the end of the service to pray with you as well. God bless you today. For more information about Toronto Celebration Church, please visit our website at TICC.ca.